Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin, I would like to give a shout out to Danielle, Elena, Jeff, Mark, Marta, Sarah, Verena, Brenda, and Jennifer. Thank you for being patrons and making this podcast possible and for helping build a community. For our first time listeners, along with regulars who at this moment may not be able to sign up on Patreon, we understand. But you can still support this podcast via subscribing, sharing, giving five stars, and a positive review wherever you listen to podcasts on. So today's guest is a friend who, thanks to the pandemic, uh, yeah, the pandemic, um, there are some positives that have come out from the pandemic, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. So he is an interesting gentleman with a background that, uh, that there's no way I can even dive into introducing this man or touching his background, but I'll just give you his name and then we'll just dive into his story. That's all I can do because his background is so deep and beautiful and fascinating. So without much further ado, I give you today's guest, Mariano Charles. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rafa. How are you? I'm doing Thanks well. For, How are you doing today? Me. Fine. I'm fine. Oh, I should have said Vigates. Bigets, yeah, Bigets. We both share uh, German's wife. Yes, German spouses. And uh, our German is terrible, but um, we're working on it. Our wives make fun of us for that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you have a beautiful name, Mariano Charles. Um, how, how, b- before we dive into, you know, where you, where you were born and, you know, where you come from, um, is, is there a story behind your last name being Charles? Well, um, my last name was not Charles a couple of generations ago. Mm-hmm. It was Charney. 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 Ah. Like, uh, now it's Charles, like the name yes. for everybody that's listening. Um, but it was Charney. It came from Russia. Oh, interesting. I would have I never think. thought that. I mean, that's you, the story. Do you story. know the meaning of that? No, I don't know the meaning, but the thing is that my great-grandparents came from Russia to Argentina, but in the middle, they went to uh, England. Mm. So they went from Russia to England and from England to Argentina. So when they got to Argentina, they spoke Russian because in England, they were not for a long time. They spoke Russian. Yeah. In Russia, they have different letters, you know. Yeah. They didn't know how to spell uh, Charny. So they got to Argentina in those, those times, there was a lot of immigration. Argentina was taking people. Mm-hmm. And when they, my great-grandparents got there, um, people would write you, they would make you citizen in Argentina right away. Out of the boat, yes. you would become a citizen. And they would write down your name. And they just heard Charney, they said, coming from England, Charles, okay. <laughs> That's it. So... It was changed. Uh. It was not previously. Yeah, so, yeah, it's weird now. It's easy when everybody, uh, like, when you talk to an airline or whatever, 
spell me, they say, what's your last name, Charles? And they're like, what? Yeah, yeah, Mariano Got, and not, they hear Your Charles. last name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like me, where people hear my last name is Harry. They're like, what, Harry? Like Harry Potter? Harry Truman? I say, yeah, Harry Belafonte? <laughs> I say, yes. But it's your first name. I said, that's my family's last name. But also, my, my original last name is A-R-I, Ari. Oh, that's your original? Yeah, that's the original that I know of. Okay. But um, somewhere, someone decided to change it. But I've heard one one story I've heard was that uh, either my great-grandfather or the one before, great-great-great-grandfather, I don't know which one of them, but he's a great-great. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Said uh, the, the white man, he was working for... Um, put him was struggling. Kept calling him Harry instead of Ari. Oh, okay, okay, so yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it. one story. But I, nobody has really confirmed. The person who said it is the type of person who at twelve o'clock will tell you one thing and then it changes. So yeah, that's the only version that I've gone nice. with. But it's no nice. other person has confirmed in it's the nice family. Harry. Yeah, but the other people in the family who there's there's some of my uncles who still go by A R I. Uh huh. So okay. yeah, there's that variation. So yeah, so I, I never really knew why there's like a large number of us. Because in my part of um, Nigeria, we, we, the, it's not common to see Harry as last name. Yeah, we have English last names. You know what we call English last names, like our names are considered English. Yeah, but if you go to the next state, there's a large clan of Harrys. Uh huh. Harry is very popular there. It's a large clan. So if I meet someone from my region or who knows my region or my tribe here in America and they see my last name, they think I'm from that large clan. I would That's like right. to go yeah. to your region. <laughs> oh, you you like it there. There's too much. Yeah. They, yeah. they have too much fun. I would like to go there. <laughs> so now that you've said region, let's let's dive into the, your place of birth. And um, what was your childhood like? My childhood? Um... So where were you born in uh, your childhood? Okay, I was born in Buenos Aires. Argentina in 78, 1978. Um, and well, of course, I, everything that was happening, I, I knew much later, right? Yes. Because well, I was well, a little baby <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know. But well, um, um, how to make a summary, right? Um, Okay, during the, the, the time that I was born, there was a dictatorship, right, in Argentina. Yeah. And my uh, my parents were kind of isolated. Um, they had to be isolated because of their ideas, um, because they were persecuted. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had any... They were young, right? They were 20-something. Yeah. And yeah. they were in college and... Um, People um, with this kind of, uh, my parents had some socialist ideas, let's say, uh, yeah, ideas it's, about it's equality. Okay. They were, yeah, there was, they were activists. Yeah, activists, but not like, uh, they, they just joined some group. I mean, they would pr persecute everyone. It's not mm -hmm. that you had to be really a, an important person or activist. Yeah. If you just were friends of someone who was in, in some of those groups, you were going to be persecuted. Like, it was massive. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called a genocide. It was a genocide. Um, 
so there was a genocide and my, my parents were isolated. That's um, the context in which I was born. Um, so your parents were in hiding as when, when you were born? Were uh, yeah. doing a normal life. Yeah. But at the same time, no friends knew where they lived. No friends knew what the last were the la their last names were. Wow. Um, because that way no one could find them mm -hmm. and they could not relate. No one could prove a relationship between them and whatever so, socialist group. Yeah. So if, you, if you got arrested, you couldn't say um, these are the people I'm, I, who are in my association or I'm associated with. You couldn't be tied. By yeah, they couldn't be tied. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, that must have been. But uh, so it was from 76 to yeah. 83, mm -hmm. the dictatorship. Uh, although there were many dictatorships uh, during the last century in Argentina, 83, democracy came yeah. back and stayed until today. So everyone thought, okay, this is one more, one more, mm -hmm. uh, they overthrow the government, they say I'm the ruler, yeah. and uh, okay, everyone thought, okay, that was one more, but it was not one more, that was, there was a genocide. A lot of people died, uh, disappeared. That's the technical name they used. Mothers mm -hmm. of the disappeared would ask the journalists, the government, where are my kids? And the government officially would say, they're not dead. Cynical, wow. right? Yeah. They would say, they're not dead, they're disappeared. Because they would disappear them. They would not kill them and mm -hmm. hang the body back to the farm. No, yeah. they were not taken just, legally in prison. Yeah. They would. Somebody just takes you to the middle the, of the, the night government would it. take them, the military would take them, mm -hmm. uh, torture them to tell where their friends are. Yeah. And then they would disappear them even, either um, in graves that mm -hmm. they're still finding out where they are, yeah. or they would put them in planes and go to the river and throw them to the river. Wow. So there were uh, dead bodies found in the coasts, in mm -hmm. the coasts of Uruguay. And so wow. the, the story has had to be reconstructed. Mm -hmm. the, um, the bodies had to be found. Uh, they still find, they're still they're looking family. for the bodies yeah. so they can hang them, uh, hand them to the families and the family can have a, gra a grave. Yeah. And well, the story is long. It's, it's rough story, right? It is rough. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we had something similar. We only got our democracy, and I say that in quotes because it's still not officially a democracy, but we got ours in 99. 99? Yes. Okay. And uh, so be between uh, Nigeria got independence in the 60, uh, 1960 and uh, 60. Um, 63, there was a coup, and then between then up till the 70s, there was like military, military, military in between, and then there was one democratic, and then it's military, democratic, military, democratic, military, and then the guy who's president right now, he's also one of the guys who did military coup uh, back then, and he was brutal. Oh, yeah. and he got reformed. People said he was reformed. I said, He's well, changed. He changed, changed my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, right. So you, you, well, you can see what he's doing now as a democratic guy. He's, he's literally repeating what he did as oh. military. So, but the signs were there. But people, who, we don't, we don't do record keeping. 
So uh, some of the things which you, you just described, they happen. A lot of them happen in Nigeria because, but we didn't, I don't think people describe it as uh, disappearance. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of journalists got killed. Like this, this current president, he killed journalists. And it was disappointing to see the first Nobel laureate winner um, endorse him for his first term. He, he, he recounted the endorsement for the second term. But he was one of those who endorsed him. And he was one of the guys who the, this guy tried to kill. And, you know, they, so you see people like that, you know, but these are the, the, the ones you hear of, the ones that are popular, the people who are known, you know. So if those are the ones that you know of, then the people who are not, who don't have any popularity, who don't have anybody backing them, who nobody's telling their stories because there are countless cases of people like that who, in the middle of the night, you just had the police or the army just show up, bust your doors. Your son, you just grab your son. So Why are you taking my, my child? Why are you taking my husband? Why are you taking... There has not been justice. Who, who, who are you going to go to for justice? I had to say that in Argentina, there was a very good justice process mm -hmm. after that. I wouldn't say justice has been made, yeah. not at all, but people were uh, judged. Uh, people that was involved, yeah. judged. They were, in, they were in, tried. And... There was a trial, mm -hmm. many trials. The trials kept going for a lot. A lot of time and until this still going on. Good, so. it, but it should, it should be like that. It's something which, you know, the way our system works, uh, it's kind of the, the way people are people talk about it. It's like, oh, you forgive and forget. You know, God, God, God will take care of. Them. I'm like, what God is that? You know, we we fought a civil war. Into the seventies, from you know the, the seven uh, in, in in the seventies. Uh, no, was it seventies? Uh, mid sixties into the seventies. Uh, we just had the fifty first anniversary of when the civil war ended, and there are still crimes from that war that never got addressed, and it's just like the losing party. It's like oh, you guys lost, but. You know, so deal with it, kind of thing. Oh, that's so bad. And so bad. those guys still have issues to this day. That's why they are still trying. Now yeah. there's a big movement amongst them that they want to get out. And I say yes, I support them. They have a case. It is, yeah. They have a case because you never addressed anything for why they tried to get out in the first place. I think it's very important so to address those issues. If you don't address it, otherwise in the, beginning, the problem persists. The, it's like a, it's like a wound. Yes, you know? exactly. exactly. You don't treat it, then it starts to rot him and exactly. expand, and then it gets worse and wide and wide exactly. and wide and wide. And you can put a bandage around it and say, I treated it. But you didn't treat it. You didn't touch anything. You just wrapped it and said, it's covered. Let so me tell you, uh, Chile, mm -hmm. the country next to us, yes. did that. They kind of did some cosmetic and said, yeah. let's move the page. And that's how they kept going until today. And they have a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I wish people will understand because there are a lot of Nigerians who don't like it when I say we have to fix those issues. Yeah. Otherwise, an inevitable war is going to come. 
Mm. There's just because there are people who are gonna take advantage of the wound exactly. that's there. Exactly. There are people just waiting to take advantage. It's ripe for them. That's why it's best you treat it. Because if you don't treat it, it's gonna look. It, it's, it's just it, it's 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 a magnet. It's just a magnet for, for the trouble. Instability. Yeah. Yeah. So instability. Yeah. It's part of the problems, and I wish people would understand. So um, move. Let's move away from the darkness a little bit and come to some light. Okay. So, we are leaving your parents, and we're going to focus on you. So, in the midst of this, so now we're coming to the stuff you remember as a child. Yeah. We're going to come to the stuff you remember as a child. So, in that early childhood of yours, you know, you, you still got to play with other kids, mingle with other children. Yes. without Because you didn't really know what was happening. You didn't understand exactly, what was happening. Exactly. As children, we didn't know what was what. We didn't know who was who. So from that period, did you have any favorite childhood memory or was it much later in life you had a favorite childhood memory? You mean uh, if I had a fear? No. Did, did you? What would you consider your favorite childhood memory? Oh, favorite childhood memory. Um... Nothing, well, it has nothing to do, of course, with... Of course. That, that's why I said we are moving away from your okay, parents okay. and all that. Yeah. Um, I would say... I would say my the, the trips... Uh, um, well, we talked about this. but I, I would say the, the trips I would make with my family to... My ma my mother was born in, in the countryside in mm -hmm. a province called Santa Fe. So we would go there every now and then and the trips in the car and being with family there. How far is that from uh, it's four, Buenos Aires? Five hours. Oh, by driving, right? Yes, four okay. and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. And I, I remember that as being nice. Um, um, yeah. And yeah, we really enjoyed being in, I really enjoyed the traveling. I would say, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I kept doing that for a long time. I don't think I, there was any time I did not enjoy traveling with the family. The only thing I didn't enjoy about traveling there was because I was the youngest person in the house. I was always in the middle of the car <laughs> and I wanted to be by the window. So I, I don't know, I just always wanted to be by the window. So even now, when I travel as an adult, I yeah. always want to be like in the plane. I want to be me by too, the window. Me seat. too, me too. People say, I want aisle. I want window. Yeah, yeah, I want, it. Yeah, I want windows. I want the window seat. Yeah. So I, I guess that it started from being a kid. I was always in the middle. And if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm sorry. I have to yeah, go have to the to bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I always wanted to see what was happening outside. And yeah, I remember one time we were traveling. Uh, I can't remember what city we were going to. Because uh, my, my mom had to travel a lot. She was a federal civil servant. And part of her job included going to uh, monitor projects in other states uh -huh. and cities around the country. And on one of those trips, you know, when I, I was looking out into the, the bushes and on, while we were on the highway, I saw a monkey jumping between branches and that was just I was just like ah I see white life it's like I'm seeing white life because I, I just think those things are not they, they're not they don't exist in Nigeria because I only see them in on TV and in like documentaries and yeah. it's like well I, I got to see one I got to see one I was just happy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was just, I couldn't I couldn't shut up in the car today they had to tell me to shut up yeah <laughs> that was just 
I was just exploding for joy, like, oh, I saw mm. a monkey jumping between branches. Wow. Yeah. I want to see more stuff. I'm like, can't just shut up. Like, just, <laughs> just. <laughs> but I just got excited, you know. But yeah, it was, it was good to travel and see other places and you know, just see the, the rivers and streams, everything. That, that, I also loved seeing rivers every time we we're traveling. Mm. You know, that place. So staying with your your childhood, um, what what also what what were the the stuff that you got engaged in for fun, you know? Because that was a different time compared to kids of today. It's a different world for them. Yeah. But you know, I, your your time, you you came like uh, what four years before me. I, I'm I'm an eighty two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it was still similar to we we're in the same age range. So yeah, um, yeah. What, 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 what did you do for when you went out to play? Well, uh, when I was a kid, um, what we would do is we would play with the, with the kids in the neighborhood. That's what we would do. That lived next door, mm-hmm. in front, kids in the what neighborhood. What your favorite games or sports? We, we or would uh, either play soccer in the street. Uh, well... There were no cars going through in the weekends. Oh yeah, it was like uh, it was Buenos Aires, but at the same time, in the weekends, no cars would go by those streets. We were not in downtown, let's say. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, it's impossible. Yeah, impossible. There's no kids playing in the in the street. This cars are all the time traffic, uh, and the city grew so much. So yeah, we would either play soccer. I remember a car would go through and we'd say, oh, let's move the ball. <laughs> and we would go back. And either that or, or uh, riding bicycles. That's what we would do. Ride bicycles. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I can't do yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to teach you that. Yeah, you have to teach me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, by the time I left Nigeria in 20, uh, 2007, um, I had to move to Lagos where the embassy was, or the consulate, you know, the embassy is in Abuja. And for my, um, for where I was living in, in Lagos, it was common in many neighbor, neighborhoods in Lagos. You, we, we played street soccer on, on Sunday. I didn't play, but most people played street soccer. I'll be watching. And there was no traffic on that street. It's like Sunday, they closed, there was a gate and they just shut that gate. You know, no traffic came through. For uh, uh, no, they shut the gate until twelve noon, and at I think after twelve noon they opened the gate or uh, one part of the gate, but still it just seemed like there was an unwritten rule that no traffic came through, and they just played soccer until about four from from like seven a.m. to four p.m. They were just playing, wow, and you know boys. Uh, and adults who wanted to play with the boys, you know, you pick a team of three, three, I think three aside or four aside. If there were too many people, then it was four aside. They had small, we call it monkey post. Uh huh. And, you know, there's no, no goalkeeper, or if there's a goalkeeper, no, no goalkeeper. It was too small to have a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, so, we wouldn't have a goalkeeper. So, That's too fancy. If, I think it, it, either he played for up to about 10 minutes. If it was tied, then it was penalty shootouts, which meant you take the ball like uh, 20 feet from the goalpost. With your back to the post, to the post, and you you hit the ball. With your back to the post, and whoever scored, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the the winner. <laughs> it was sudden death penalties, and yeah, so it was just, but it was just like 
cars didn't come through that street for that day on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. But uh, every other day, cars came through. But you you could tell that a, a car would come through while playing. And then they will move, remove the goalpost. Yeah, you hear. But it was it was the uh, engine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you could tell that it was somebody who wasn't familiar with that unwritten rule, because the person was like, why are you pull on the street and then they start cursing the, the driver of the car. <laughs> yeah. And then you see like because parents are watching because you see the old man and all you know all the old men come out sitting in front of their house watching kids playing. So if an adult tries to bully a kid, they can curse you out. Like why are you know are you not ashamed of yourself? You know, fight a young boy. Oh that yeah. Kind of so if a car is passing and the driver is insulting the kids, you see the old bunch of old men will be cussing you out, and then you know, oh, this, yeah, he 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 wasn't aware of that rule. That's why he drove on this street. You're not supposed to drive on that street. You made me remember of carnival. We had carnival days, some carnival days, and we would throw water in those little. Uh, you put oh. water in a little balloon. Yeah. Right, and you throw it mm -hmm. to other kids. Yeah, we would throw it to cars with drivers <laughs> and buses and oh we we uh skids we were the, yeah yeah we, we, yeah we did we got in so much oh, wow. trouble ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um Buenos Aires is a big city right yeah big city and um was it just Argentinians that were in your community or were there people from other countries no no you? Argentinians just Argentinians no a couple of generations mm -hmm. in Argentina, yeah. Okay. Minimum a couple of generations, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when was your first exposure to people from uh, other parts of South America when you were in Buenos Aires? When was the first time you met other South Americans or people from uh, other countries? When I mean, people from other countries you, you meet every day, like uh, in shops, like, uh, for example, fruit, vegetable shops mm -hmm. are owned mostly by people from Bolivia, in Argentina, oh, in Buenos really? Aires. Yeah, so uh, supermarkets, small supermarkets, Chinese. Wow. Um, so you meet that. people from other countries all the time. There's a large Bolivian and Peruvian community in Argentina. Oh. Uh, but if you ask me when I engaged really with other communities, or um, I mean, also in high school, in school, maybe there was one guy from... Korea from wow. and and I would be friends with wow. you know with someone that would, mm -hmm. I always had this uh need uh this uh how do you say this curiosity, need, curiosity yeah. or this um tendency mm -hmm. to engage with people from other parts of the world with different cultures um naturally it just came out that way for, for me uh but eventually uh, when I got older and I got into music, I engaged with uh, other communities deep and uh, in a more deep and deeper way, deeper way. Let's so, say. well, how did that? Um, what attracted you to music? Like, uh, who, who was who were the inspirations that? Uh, what was that moment that brought you into the, the music side well, of things? I started with percussion. Mm. Uh, percussion is what. Bro. But well, was that at home or was it on TV or was no. did something happen that made you pick that instrument? Well, it was uh, a cry. I, I think it was a personal crisis that was not exploding yet, but it mm -hmm. was starting. It, it had to do with my professional, let's say, career. Uh, I studied, I was studying engineering. I was finishing. Okay, so this was after college? After college, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I studied piano uh, In when I was in primary school, Yeah, elementary school. 
But it, it was something that my mother took me and I liked it and I learned a lot. And I even remember when I started studying much later in life, but um, I, I started, uh, but when I grew up, um, when I was older, I wanted to study again, right? By myself, yeah. not because my mother would take me, right? Mm -hmm. And you wanted to develop a passion for something. Yeah, no, but I, I had, I think it had to do with uh, some crisis, like um, professional crisis. Like I, I was studying engineering, yeah. it was okay. I was passing the exams, it was not bad, but I was not finding myself in 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 that world, you know, in engineering companies, and I, I think I, I even was maybe working in a in a company, in a big company, and I was in these offices with computers one next to the other. Suddenly I felt like this is prison. Oh. I felt like yeah. I didn't I mean it was not for me. I, I would be in those I would I would be in this company, you know, working and I wouldn't work. I would just live and go talk to that guy. I would take my mate. You know, in Argentina, we drink mate. Yeah. You know, if you I've, I've heard of mate. Yeah. I can't recall what it is, but I've heard of mate. Well, you said it. I, I know it's in my d database. I was more interested in engaging with other people, knowing their lives. I was not interested. I was in a telecommunications company. That mm -hmm. was, and I, I didn't really care about if they sold more minutes or more internet or more whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I, I so I was I, I was needing some to 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 express something to to engage in some creativity uh, thing mm. uh, space. I needed some creativity to I don't know to explore that area, creativity, music. Yeah. So I told my brother-in-law at that time. I had a friend that was a percussion teacher and I said, let's go, let's go take a class. And that's how it started. And we took a percussion uh, class. Um, and what was that like the first time you held the, the percussion? Well, it was great. It was like freedom, you know? Mm. It was like, wow. Well, we would smoke a joint during the class. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, it opened a door to being to being happy, you know, to being having a good time, having yeah. a good time doing something creative, uh, and so. And I needed it, and I needed it. Eventually, eventually, I'll tell you the end of the story. I, I quit it, my professional career in a yeah. way, mm -hmm. right? It was too boring. It was too boring, and. Yeah, it wasn't you. It, it was not, yeah. I mean, I could do it. I could do it. I had the skills, mm -hmm. you know. But, but it just wasn't you. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It was not me. Yeah, I have. I've had one of my one of my uh, one of the guests who um, I call him my uncle, Uncle G. You know, he's uh, he's the oldest guest I've had on the podcast, and. Uh, I talked to him a few weeks. Uh, no, I talked to him a few days ago, and uh, he, he he's a retired architect now. And you know, back in the sixties, when he was in the top um, college in the top university in India, um, he had gone in for um, engineering. Yeah, and 
he had a similar problem too. It's not like he, he, he's a very intelligent guy, book smart and everything. But he said, yeah, it wasn't, it was the wrong part for him. It was the wrong part. And he just, and he told the school like, yeah, and he told his professors, this is not, no. This is just, he felt it within him. And, you know, it's not everybody who's bold enough to take that step. It's difficult for some Yeah, people it's so hard. It's so hard. we're not trained to take that step because it's like, what about... Exactly. How will you survive? It's so hard. What it's about so this? Hard. It's Why so would you hard. do that? Why? It's so but hard. Manage. And the, the, the in Nigeria, the language we use is manage. You know, okay, I understand what you're saying, but manage, just endure. That's how I was raised. That's what I was raised with. But he said, you know, he, he he met the right person who said, um, okay, but you must promise this. And you know, someone challenged him. And he said he loves challenges. So he said, yeah, but, and he took architecture, which that's where he found his passion. And he found his, himself in, and he went with that. But, and I've heard of, I've, I know another guest I've had who did something similar, but in a different field. And, you know, and I've met other people like that. It's, it's just, you know, so we, our, in, within ourselves, we get that message. Yeah, yeah. But the way we've been raised, sometimes, you know, the messaging we've been given can always be like, you're already on this path. See it to the end. Yes, it's not working for you. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, you're being drowned in it. You're, yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're, you're losing yourself. You're, you're depressed and everything. But you're getting paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So die there. We'll, we'll, next thing, when you come back in your next life, we'll figure out the rest. You get the next one, don't worry. And some, and then, and then you just see somebody changing into a shell of themselves, and you know. And I mean, some people can make it work, but yeah, it's it's not it's not. I I, I can't advise somebody to go that path. So I'm always happy when I hear someone was able to recognize and broke free out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but not, I I really had to go into crisis. You know, mm -hmm. it was hard. It was hard because you you really, I I think that like when I, I you can tell sometimes when you have a problem when someone else has a problem, but my conclusion is that you never change until you really hit the bottom and you really get in deep in the crisis. Until you get to the bottom of it, uh, you're really fucked up. You don't change. You don't change because you know. Oh, you have to. I have to change this. Like. Let's say you eat too much or whatever you do, mm -hmm. you don't change until you are sick. That's what I think generally happens with everyone in this life. Uh, I'm with myself, right? Until I was in a deep crisis with myself, I didn't really make the move because I, until I didn't have a choice. Mm. Right? You're, you're exhausted your choices and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. now I have no option but to... Yeah, address. What yeah, I was I was in the office looking out the window. Uh, I, I mean, maybe it doesn't sound good. What I'm gonna say, but that's what, what I was feeling at the moment. I would say I would see a poor a poor person carrying whatever in the street, and I would say, but he's free. He can move that way. He can go that way. Mm. I, it's not right. I mean, it's not like that. Of course, he's not free in a lot of ways, but I was feeling like that. I was feeling like in, in a prison. That's why I was getting those. I, I I get what you're saying, and I've I've seen people who I look at them and I'm like, damn, this guy got a great job, you got money and all that, 
and then they, they start talking like that too and i'm like wait what and it's uh, it's it's interesting when people talk like that and yeah there's I've, someone told me a few just a few months ago some almost the same language this guy is like it's, it's a job that i know i know people i know someone who who tells me almost every time we talk that he will kill for a job like that and I, I, in the back of my head i'm always saying like but i know someone who's who's just said he wants to get out of this job that the money is fantastic and everybody he wants to get out yeah, yeah he's yeah. looking for a way out he just he needs a different career he needs something i was like wow wow it's yeah, it's funny. just so yeah they have, i'm not saying people shouldn't do the, in, i'm like everybody has their parts and that's yeah. that's the point I, I like to make people like you know it's for you to I discover know. your part and if your part is in that field i'm not saying yeah because you know engineering wasn't for you but engineering is for other people and yeah. if then and it's just for you to discover your path, and that's the yeah. message yeah, that yeah, yeah. people have to realize. Because I've I've seen at one time I used to be like you know I can't do something where I'll be in front of a microphone. I was afraid. Yeah, I was afraid, but I always love hearing people's story. I always love talking to people, and you know sharing with people. And look how long it will take me to finally admit that yes, I can do it. I should be doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I try to run yeah. away yeah, as yeah. far as possible from it. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so interesting. But the day, well, one day I came home and Verena looked at me and said, "The smile on your face every time you come back from recording. It's I've not seen you like with that smile from anything you're doing. In, yeah, yeah, any yeah. other, you don't you don't act like then that. Then you know you yeah. Then and, you know what's right. You know that's the mirror that I don't always look into. You know I don't always look at. So. Sometimes we need to hear that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's one more question I need to ask before we go on a short break. Um, before you got to that engineering part, because that, that it involves the engineering, but I think before you got into this crisis, the one thing that led to you getting into the crisis was when you decided to go to university. You had told me you, you, you struggled on... The, on your university, you know, you were trying totally, to decide on totally, what totally. to study or, you know. Not, not that I struggled. Uh, I don't know. I feel like every everybody, most of, or most people should feel the same way about it. When you finish high school, mm -hmm. what do you know? What do you know? What, what, what you want to do? Yeah. I mean, I know some people do know. But generally, do you know what you want to do? Well, my... In, in my case, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know. But I, like, uh, I mean, maybe then my, then then there's, is when my, my problems started because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I would like my daughter <laughs> to, to, to know what she wants to do, of course. Do yeah. I want our kids to be yeah, right? different? Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make her know. How, 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 what's up? What am I going to do to make her know? I don't know. But uh, the thing is that I didn't know what to do. So I, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And my mother, my girlfriend at the time said, my mother said, oh, there's a university there that they do engineering. Why don't you try it? Why don't you try? Hmm. My girlfriend at the time said, okay, let's go write down your name and apply for it. 
so I got in without choosing it. Yeah. I got in the university uh, and I started studying. The first exam was I was it was horrible. I had, but but then I started. I, I wanted to prove myself that I could do it, mm-hmm. right? So I studied and then I started uh, having great no grades, right? Um, I was doing great, and I was liking it. I was liking it. I didn't like engineering, the mathematics, physics, but I knew I could. If I studied, yeah, everything was okay, and I could hang out with those the people that yeah. was there. But I was interested is in hanging out with other people. That so, the university so I, life was and people would you. respect me, mm-hmm. and I would be because I I would have good grades because I would study and and I would pass the exam. People were like, "Oh, can you help me with this?" And I I felt like useful, you know, mm-hmm. in the university. So, but not because I liked engineering, but it's because I liked engaging with other people, and so I had a good time in the university. I liked it. But then when I had to work as an engineer, then the then problem became, became different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reality setting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we shall take a quick break and return back shortly. Hi, everyone. Your host, Rafael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one-year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people sharing their modern-day immigrant stories. And you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener which is why we have created White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions, and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation, either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you, and if you really love this show, think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. So welcome back. And uh, yeah, so when you were um that that point you made about uh you know after high school we don't really know what we want to study yeah you you took me back to when i got out of high school and it it's not life and for me i think that also played a role in why 
I never tried to pursue anything that I was happy in or like my, my where I found my joys. But I was thinking about, oh, what will pay me the most money? Or what will secure me financially? That's just where my mind was, oh. to be honest. Because when we got out of high school, you know, we didn't know careers. The word careers were not an existence. Were not in existence for us. But what we had were, um, you know, the, the 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 the. I don't know if it's similar in Argentina, but for us in Nigeria, it's, you, know, you, you they start drumming it into you. You either become a doctor, you become an engineer, you become a lawyer, uh, or accountant. I've forgotten the fifth one, but it's like the big five. If you're not one of those top five, big fives, yeah, yeah, yeah. then maybe you go become, um, you go join the military and think of how you become a general and plan a coup. Or you could be <laughs> a priest. This man, oh, well, the priest got knocked out pretty early in my life because I think I was eight on, between eight and age eight and 10. And I one time said to my mom, I want to be a priest. And my mom was like, oh, it's, that's good. She was happy. Yes. So you won't get married, right? I said, what? You mean I can't touch women anymore? <laughs> and I was pretty young, but I guess. Well, yeah, you knew, I, I, you yeah. knew already that was not for you. Yeah, that was the first. I, they knew, I, I, I was clear I was going to be causing scandals if I was going to be a priest. So, well, good thing I was going to be with, with adults, not kids. So, at least. <laughs> so on that aspect I'll say yeah but uh, yeah as soon as my mom said that uh, you're not going to get married I said well, that's, the, that's when I realized that priests the Catholic priests because we're Catholics uh, Catholic priests don't get married and I was like oh hell no rule, rule that out you could, so you couldn't you couldn't mention priests to me I would have, I would have hit you whatever. <laughs> I would have hit you with something but every other thing was like yeah doctor engineer lawyer uh, yeah no, and even when I had said, oh, I want to be a sports person, they, they cussed me out, chewed me out. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. So with that, you didn't realize that there were careers, there were other things I could do. There were so many things out there. All the stuff that I had interest in, none of that appeared to me as something that I could be doing or I could pursue. So, but when that big five is being beat into your head, that's all you start thinking about, and then you're like, well, I'm not really strong in mathematics and the science, so I don't want to do something that I'll be playing around those two 24-7. So, disqualified doctor. Yeah. And I'll disqualify, what else do I disqualify? And then I start disqualifying, disqualifying. So now I'm not thinking about what do I like doing? <laughs> but, you know, and then... Oh, you made that question. To yourself. Yeah, I'm already telling that's, myself I can't. That's I, a whole step. I can't be. I, I can't be I a doctor. Could, I couldn't that, do. I couldn't be a doctor. But then life will happen, and then I moved to the United States, and I, I joined the Navy. You know, and in the Navy, I get a chance to go to school. The government will pay. I say, okay. Uh, but what am I going to do now? Uh, back to this square one again. Okay, how do I avoid mathematics and science? That's all I'm thinking about. But I need to make money. So what well, I Business, but well, I don't want too much maths. And I told you, but dude, that that but my that's where my mind was going. But I don't want to be an accountant. But and, and but not one time did I ask myself, what do you like? Oh, okay. What do you enjoy yeah. doing, or where do you have that experience? Or no, <laughs> it wasn't. It didn't occur to me. me like me, the same with you me, know. Yeah. So, yeah. but if 
looking back, I can tell you that, you know, it's something that has been built in my brain for a long time. Like, these are the five careers. You must pick from here. You must aim for this. And even though I said I'm not going for those five, but somewhere in the back of my head, I was going for those five. So I'm not always thinking outside of those five. And then later on, I'm wondering, why did I go for business administration when I'm like, not really, you know? So like I've been offered a job in an accounting department of a law firm. I had my internship there and the fantastic people there. I worked there, but dude, I, I was struggling. I could do the job. I did the job. No, I did the fun. All the projects I was given, I did it, knocked it out. But yeah, it was boring. It was, I struggled. It was I didn't have any passion for doing that. I, yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, they, they offered me a job, and I was like, I, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. And then with my disabilities too, from military, it, it doesn't help with too much light on me. But you mm. know, I'm. But that aside, I, I didn't see how coming in here twenty four. Like, man, this is not. It's not. It's not. But it will take me uh, when I finally looked in the mirror and said, "Who are you? What do you like?" What do you want to do? Is this the you want to do? You want to work in an accounting department? You want to work? In, is that where the goal is aimed at? And when I started addressing those questions, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, nah, that's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just had to rule myself out of those fields. And yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have any regrets because I learned something from all those experiences. So it's something exactly, to yeah. me, but I, and I can share it with other people going forward. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think when, when you said you don't want um, your daughter to, you want your daughter to be able to know what to pick up, I don't think we'll be able to, we'll be able to give them the exact picture, but we can at least share our experience and say, hey, look at the mistakes we made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a better idea going forward about the mistakes not yeah to i'm like w- with her and she picks up a toy and says oh maybe she likes this because it pe- i'm always thinking oh what does she like i'm gonna encourage her <laughs> like no it's uh, kind of it's too an, early. an, an too obsession early. Uh. <laughs> uh. so um let's see you uh while in college um was it in college was it when you got into music that you 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 met your 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 your, your former wife or yes uh, year two thousand mm-hmm. I was in college I was in college okay. through my through friends that I had through co- uh, in college all right so um, that will now lead to another big experience in your life and you dealt with something that many people are not able many people still struggle with and uh, i was wondering if you would like to share how that whole journey you know went for you well it's maybe hard to make a summary um well i met my wife previous wife mm-hmm. former wife uh in the year 2000 through friends through co- in college that i had in college um I mean, it was a relationship like any other relationship. We were together for 18 years. She was Argentinian too. She was born in Venezuela, but she was Argentinian. Her parents were Argentinian. Well, um, she was born in Venezuela because her parents left Argentina during the dictatorship. 
Oh, okay. Um, so you guys had that in common, but I mean, yeah, everybody in Argentina has that in common, right? Mm -hmm. Either you exiled within the country or you went to another country. Mm. So you, something you had to do, unless yeah. you were with them. That's true. <laughs> right? Um, so, I mean, it was a normal relationship that had a terrific ending, right? Uh, well, I don't know if you, you want to jump into the ending, but well, otherwise... the ending I was asking about because I know it's, it's tough but you I was I admire the way you came out of it because mm. I know people who are not um, it's, it's something that many people struggle with you know going through grief oh yeah and oh, yeah. that's a whole thing it's something that you know if, if you don't we want to talk about it. That's fine. We'll, no, no. We'll for it me, out. it's but. fine. It's great. And I'm happy sharing my experience. And that's why I like talking to people and sharing my experience because that helped me. Yeah. You know, sharing my experience mm -hmm. helped me. I know it might help other people, right? But it helped me, right? And so I was doing it for others, but for myself also. When I, Whenever I have the chance, I talk about it. Um... Yeah, but grief is not easy, and I could not advise anyone on how to deal with it. I can just tell you my experience. Yeah, that's all you're doing. I don't have a method. Um, and um, well, before before we we jump ahead, uh, for the audience, your former wife passed away. Passed away, yeah, and. It wasn't easy on you because uh, she was young. Yeah. You guys were, even though you had been together for 18 years, you guys were still a young couple. Yeah, we're 40 years old. Yeah, so uh, it's, even if you guys had been together for a long, long time, it's still, uh, it's not easy on, on, on the couple, on anyone losing a loved one. I lost my uncle when I was the, the the closest uncle I had in my family when I was uh, that was two thousand and five, no two thousand and no two thousand and four. I'm sorry, two thousand and four, and I never dealt with that grief. The only I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with grief. I never knew how to. Nobody had. It, 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 I'd heard of death. You know, I this person died. Okay, that person died, but I, it didn't. It, it wasn't personal to me. So he was the closest person to me that passed away. And I saw him on on Tuesday. I was supposed to go see him on uh, Friday. And I was supposed to go see him on Friday afternoon. And he, he, he died Friday morning. Mm. And while I was, I think I was getting ready to go to his place. And a cousin came to our place and... She claimed she didn't, she wasn't aware that I was close to that uncle. But she was talking like he was someone distant, like she had never seen him before come to the house. And she was like, Oh, do you know? I she was talking to other people in the house. And she was like, Do you know this man just died? I heard that this lawyer just died. And she was, and I was sitting there like, She was talking like it was someone distant, somebody who, you know, it was just like in the news just happened, like news just came out. And I'm like, Wait, why? How? What are you? What are you talking about? 
And she's like, oh, the man just died this morning. I'm so surprised. He's a young man. He was just 44 years old. And I'm like, you're talking about my uncle. And she's like, oh. I'm, oh, yes, that's true. You're close to him. I, I was like, do you want me to punch you or something? What the heck? How do you, you know I'm always with this guy. Almost every week I was at his house. Six o'clock in the morning, I'm gone. I was always hanging out at his place. He's like, oh, that's the guy you're always going out to, to see. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, oh, I, I, I wouldn't have just come in and said it like that if I'd known. So you haven't heard the news? I didn't know you haven't heard. But it just seemed like something switched off in me. But I, but I didn't know how to process the whole emotions I was going through. And I just walked away and called um, another cousin of mine. And she said, yes, she said, it's true. He, he, he passed away. I didn't know how to call you and tell you. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with his wife now. And I was like, do you want to talk to his wife? I was like, why, I, what am I going to say? I, I, I don't know. I've never done that in my life. I've never. That was the first time I had to talk to someone whose husband just died. I, there was, yeah. So I froze. And I never, I didn't talk to that woman for probably four or five months. I didn't know what to do. And I was judging myself for, uh, it just felt like I ran away. Like only when the going was good, I showed up to her house, and you know she saw me, and so I, I, I felt ashamed. And one day she saw me on the street when she was with the kids. She was driving, and she stopped, and I, I just ran and said hi, but I, I couldn't even look her in the eye. But I just didn't know what to say. I couldn't go to the funeral. I just, I, it, it, I, I, nobody could, nobody consoled me, and nobody said anything. But it just felt like I didn't matter. So I was just there and I just went to a bar and drank and, you know, sat down with the boys, acted like nothing. I'm tough. Nothing happened, you know, mm -hmm. I'm good. But inside me, I was broken because he was the first person in the family who had addressed me and said, you're not a kid anymore. So they shouldn't be talking to you like that. People shouldn't be abusing this boy. And, you know, he stood up for me and it would feel good to have someone like that in my corner. Hmm. And now he's gone. And I never knew how to process that. So it would take years for me to even come close to knowing how to process something like that. And it just, you know, so it, it's uh, it's tough, you know. It, and uh, the, the next time I will even properly, the, next, the closest I will come to dealing with grief, like that was when my shipmate would take his life. One of my shipmates took his life and... Um, I thought I'd cut it before he he because he had been talking about he had been giving signs on Facebook you know be talking putting signs up there like he just kept talking about if I disappear nobody would care about me something like that he would just make a status and I'm like this guy is giving is it is it doing giving the signs of he's about to do something like this I don't think he would do it so. He'll write something cryptic like that again. And then one day I reached out to him, like, hey, man, I, I've been seeing your status. And nobody comments or anybody asks, is everything okay? I just noticed people. It just seemed like everything was normal from the way people were commenting on it. So I just wrote to him, like, hey, man, is everything good? I, I, I see your Facebook status updates. It doesn't look right. He's like, oh, thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Everything is good. I said, are you sure? I'm here. I know we weren't the closest people in the Navy, but 
I see what you're writing and I'm worried. But if you don't want to talk to me, I know your best friend from when we're in the Navy and, you know, I'll get her. I know she's not on Facebook anymore. So I went and contacted her. I found somebody who knew her number and I told her what he was writing. And she said, yeah, that's troubling. So she said she, she would reach out to him and she reached out to him, but she never gave me feedback. He was homeless when he was writing that stuff. And um, unfortunately, I don't know how they discussed, but it seemed like he was going to move into a house. She, had a, she, owns a, she has a house. Uh, she lived in a different state. And then he never did. So it would take like a year later, and then he would take his life. So when he now took his life, and then another shipmate call, will call me and say, oh, this guy, this what happened. And I was like, dang it. I, I, maybe I should have continued following up. And, you know, so I was like blaming myself. And until I went to therapy, and the therapist was like, it's not, I wasn't, it wasn't my fault. I'm not the one who killed him. I shouldn't look at it that way, you know. But Oh, you went to therapy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still in therapy, man. I'm, I'm still in therapy. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't have to wait until I'm, everything is exploding before I go. I, I, I do therapy all the time. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, that's how I started learning how to deal with grief. And it's still something I'm working on. But you, you got to, I share that because you got to deal with a much more personal grief. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's something that I, I was surprised when, when, when you shared that with me. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. So if, if you want to give the audience details on it, that's fine. If you don't want to, it's okay. But uh, um, yeah, it's okay. Um, it's hard, you know, um, but, um, the facts, the facts are that, uh, my wife took his life, uh, 2018 after having a mental disorder triggered by the murder of her brother in Tampa, Florida by a crazy guy. So it's like a crazy story. Yeah. Uh, craziness all over. Um, so there was this guy that was crazy um, that one day he was talking, I mean, I saw the Instagram that he had at the time, right when it happened, and he was talking like to the devil, to the camera, to the devil. Wow. It, you want this to happen. You want something to happen. Blah, blah. So he was like decided to do something wrong that day. Yeah. And he was with his car and he happened to go in this road in Tampa where my brother-in-law was living and he was uh, with uh, his two kids riding bikes, mm -hmm. bikes, bicycles in a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. My brother-in-law was taking them to the ice cream store. And uh, this guy was in the same moment going through that road and said, crossed them and said, okay, I'm going to kill them. And he turned around and went uh, with his car yeah. through the three of them. Wow. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but with yeah, his car. He ran, he ran over. Ran over them. Wow. He, he ran over them. Uh, so my brother-in-law was uh, riding his bike. And my the, so his two kids were um, 
83 years old. Yeah. The one that was uh, three years old was in a bike connected to his. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And the, the other eight-year-old was alone in his own bike, so he could kind of um, get away a little, yeah. a little better. Yeah, some space. And, but so the two kids finally were fine, although the little one was covered in blood. Oh, no. um, my brother-in-law was not dead, but was unconscious in the floor. And the eight-year-old was the one that had to see that, go ask for help wow. to a neighbor. And so they called the ambulance, helicopter came, two ambulances, and the mess, you know? And yeah. when that's when, when it all started, like that. And then, well, uh, they told my, my, the mother of my wife what was happening. So the mother of Peter and my brother-in-law that died. Um, so my wife got to know that. Um, and I, I didn't, I mean, I, 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 that was the first time I had to deal with a close death mm -hmm. that was not so close because it was not my brother. It was yeah. my brother-in-law. But, but I didn't really know how to... It's not easy. How do you know, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what was happening. I, don't, I didn't know what grief was. I, I didn't know. So the thing is that when we, we... We were in Argentina, right? In Buenos Aires. So we went to Tampa to the funeral. And my, my wife had started having some strange behaviors, mm -hmm. I would say. Aggressive, mm -hmm. a little bit aggressive, started being aggressive. Uh, but I was like, okay, it's, her brother just was just killed. I mean, I'm not going to charge her, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so, but he, she was having some strange behaviors, like... Um, Okay, I, I'll tell you the, the finally what happened is that she was going through, um, I think, because there was no time, because four months after that she killed herself. Mm -hmm. So there was no time to diagnose, right, F from, from a doctor. But I think she was going through a bipolar episode. I don't know if you know anything yeah. about bipolar um, who disease or whatever. I have a shipmate who suffers from that and I... While in the Navy, when I first met her, it, it felt like I met her in the after one night. And the way she talked to me, I was like, oh, this person is cool. And the next day I met her and I was like, she's damn bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was, yeah. After that, I just hated the, the, the person. And then now when we talk, it's like we are cool. We can talk for like one hour, but I, I understand now. But for a long time, I just hated her. I just hated her. But it, because I just felt like she was absolutely rude and evil to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they become, they can become... Mm -hmm. that it, it would, yeah, but the it thing was, is that my a, wife, it was her first episode. Generally, it happens before that they have an episode and then they come out of it and then they have another one. That was the first time I even knew something was happening. I, I thought my, my, my wife was totally healthy. And I, I mean, it was totally normal. All of a sudden, I, I had to deal with that. Um, so I had to deal with understanding what mental health 
is at the same time that I had to deal with my wife killing herself, so grief. So I had to go through understanding a lot of things, what the mind does. Uh, so, so the end is right that he she killed herself. Yeah, and I, I was, I mean, I'm, it was hard also because I was in the apartment, in the same apartment. Uh, I was taking a shower while she did she did that. Oh wow! So I got out of the shower and she was not there, and the security guard uh, called me and said, "Yeah, it happened." So because I, I, I this the last two months I was hey something's going wrong with her, mm -hmm. so they kind of knew something was going, on, but no one me I didn't know that was a possibility. Wow. I didn't. Uh, consider that she would that was a, I didn't consider that was a possibility I not at all so maybe now knowing what happened of course yeah. I, I'm like oh maybe I should have considered it I was it's, and it was it's, it's different it's than your, the, the case that you told me yeah. about the guy that was sending messages through Facebook this was totally different she was like it's different for everybody she was like but it's, no, it's, it's okay. It's different, but I mean, we we can all we can do now is you know maybe I should have maybe I did exactly, but yeah. it, it's not really helping because you know it's happened. It's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the most important thing is you came out of you know the the the, the of uh, falling into depression of going down because many people would have looked at it and said oh i wish if i if only i had if only i had done this she wouldn't have you know yeah if only i had oh maybe if i had not taken a shower maybe she wouldn't you know maybe if i maybe if i delayed for two minutes or one second or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And you you know you didn't put yourself in that mental state of bringing yourself down because there are people who have put themselves down to the point of taking their own lives too. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I have to be honest. I mm -hmm. was blaming myself, which I consider. But I know. also knew that shit happened, right? Uh, yeah. Her brother was murdered. I mean, I was not which denied. Is tough. Which it's is tough. tough. Yeah. And she had. It was a fact that she had some. She was having some mental issues at that time. But I did, of course, I did blame myself. My, myself, I did, and it's really hard to ever, ever you say. You are human. You are human. I, I think it would be weird if you didn't have those emotions. If something like that happened to you and you didn't go through emotions like that, it, it would, be, yeah, it would be, it would be weird for you to just, oh, I'm fine, everything's okay. Well, if I, if I was your friend, I would go check into an institution immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I was your father, brother, or sister, I would just go, like, yeah, please admit him. That's it. Because yeah, nobody's hundred percent fine. Something like that happens to them. Well, that now that you're saying that, um, when that happened with my brother-in-law, when he was killed, mm -hmm. that that is one thing that was happening with my wife. You yeah. you ask her, how are you doing? I never felt better. Wow. But not because her brother, he, she was like, I understand. She was like, I understand that mm -hmm. he died, but God, whatever, mm -hmm. it, it, she would make sense of it in a strange way. Yeah. And she would feel 
because she was having um, how do you say, a maniac state that is uh, bi with, with bipolar people mm. go through like they feel great mm -hmm. and they, they can feel like shit. Yeah. So she was in the maniac part of it. So she was feeling awesome at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it was four months, two months. She was feeling awesome. Two months. She was feeling, feeling like shit. When she was feeling like shit, I thought, oh, she's getting better because she should feel like shit. Yeah. Because that happened, but she never came out of it. So, uh, a lot of people that, that have bipolar disease have this ending uh, more than people that go through depression. Mm. Uh, the suicide yeah. in bipolar mm -hmm. is the percentage is higher, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but more I, importantly, how did you begin your journey to recovery? How did you, you know, what, what steps did you take? Or how did you message yourself to, you know? I didn't do anything. Uh, it just happened mm -hmm. miraculously. Yeah. And it's kind of religious what I'm saying, but I'm sorry. But there's no method or anything like that. Hey, everybody's uh, different. It just happened that things happened, you know. Um, so it was so hard, so hard. And I, I, I had to, in a way, die, right? Mm. I had to die because I was 18 years with her. Yeah. And I had a life with her. I was living with her. We, we decided not to have kids. So we, for me, she was so important. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, I, I had two kids, oh, so it's okay. It's my two kids and her. Everything was her. She was my family. Yeah. Um, she, I was working with her. We were working together. <laughs> so we were so, yeah. so attached, so close together. So when that happened, I had to die and be born again. Mm. Otherwise... Mm, I had to let myself die, you know? I had to let a lot of things die in me yeah. and be born again and be open to something new to be born, to appear, to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a miracle, miracle, I think, because I don't know why I was open to a new thing. How? I think it has to, be, has to do with your psyche how you maybe I, I think psyche is uh, when you when you're I don't know when you're little yeah. if you're stable your psyche gets okay you have some structure in your psyche that holds you I don't know it works different for everybody uh, that's the way I, that's the only thing I can say because well, there's stability for me when I was little you know there's stability for everybody. It's, but uh, there are people who you don't expect to survive certain things if you're going by that. I know people who've been through, uh, oh, um, like, like who've been uh, child soldiers, seeing some dark stuff they're not supposed to see as children. Yeah. And yeah, that is not something, no, no normal person. That's, there's no stability there. And they as come out adults, you know, and they, they now face some. Dis disaster or crisis you know uh, situation they're still able to somehow find something somewhere 
And some use religion. I'm not religious. I don't need religion for anything. I don't believe I need it for anything. But that's why I believe in addressing myself. But that is me. I'm not saying everybody should be me because not everybody can be me. But I like what you said about you had to die. I think that's a very good way of saying it because we all have to die and be reborn. I had to die for certain things. Some things had to die in my life. I'm not who I was when I was, you know, even even as two years ago, I'm not who that person. Because some things from two years ago have died in me. They're no longer part of me. So I don't have to wait until some major crisis happens. But I'm, every day I'm cutting off some things I don't believe have a role to play in my life. And so there's, you know, I don't think there's a perfect answer for a situation like this. But it's like my guest who uh, was, was, uh, was born in Ghana but grew up in northern Nigeria. And his tribe's, uh, his family's name, the meaning, the translation of his family's name is what is debt. What is that? What is debt? Wow. There's no, it doesn't have a perfect answer. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's one of those, um, I guess, conundrums life throws at us, you know. But I believe the more people share their experiences and coming out of situations like this, the better we are. Mm. And the more we normalize the conversations on mental health and not waiting for, or not taking mental health from the, the position of uh, treatment only, but from, from prevention. Because a lot of our healthcare, especially like in America and many parts of the world is only on treatment. But we need to start looking at prevention. Yeah. If you look at prevention, then the language will start changing on how we address mental illnesses. Well, this guy that killed my brother-in-law, uh, 15 days before, mm -hmm. he was in a mental institution and a judge said he could be, can, released, can be because released because he was okay, he was peaceful, he was not harm. Uh, he, was, he was in this mental institution because he went into a police station and make some kind of a mess in there, yelling, I don't know. So he was put in a mentalist. And then he was released, and 15 days later he does this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Do you, do, I, I you, just, do you know what happened to him afterwards? I mean, he's in prison. Uh, the wife of Peter Megan, my, I don't know how to say my, she's, She's not my sister-in-law. Okay. The wife of Peter, the, the guy yeah. who died, my brother-in-law, uh, moved. He didn't want to meet her, his family again uh, because they were living in the same neighborhood oh, wow. uh, with, the, with the parents of the murderer. Of the killer, yeah. Uh, so he's in prison. He was told that, she was told that he was going to be in prison forever. But as he's... How do you say? Uh, mentally disabled. Ew, yeah, he might go out of prison because he's not. He cannot be judged judged like a regular person. You mm. know. So so she she's a little bit scared because she she's like, I told my kids that he was gonna don't worry because her kids the kids yeah. eight years old and. The eight-year-old was so afraid. It's that's a traumatic experience. Tra yeah, he was. He when at he, that age, he still he can retain memory. Yeah, it was so, so hard for them. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. 
That is really, I, I I feel for kids though. I really feel for kids. You know, it's especially in, in this country the way we we we, we profit uh, is so profit based the healthcare system. So getting that kid the health the the treatment that they need and deserve it's. I I I hope they, 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 they both kids get the proper treatment and everything that they need to, yeah. to go through um, that that situation because man it's not it's not easy it's not easy to see your loved one pass away in front of you and yeah your father right it's not it's not yeah but um, part of your moving forward was you found love again. Mm-hmm. And your part of your finding love is how you ended up in New York. Exactly. Yeah. So, even though you arrived in New York officially at the best time ever. Yeah. <laughs> Before the pandemic. <laughs> March. March so, 2020. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you arrived in New York at the best time ever. No tourists, nothing to challenge you. You got New York all to yourself. Yeah. But yeah. before we dive into enjoying New York without tourists, um, <laughs> you you, you, you want to share how you finally arrived in New York? Yeah. Um, so, um, my former wife died November 3rd. I turned 40 on November 1st, two days prior to that. Oh, wow. And, and you look 25 right now. Thanks, thanks. I'm thanks. 21, by the way. I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, I was going through a roller coaster of nightmare emotions. Um, it was so hard and so intense. The intensity of mm. what I was, what I was. It's that I would say the the common. Um, feeling that was so intense what I, I was going through um, and I was in therapy 24-7 mm-hmm. I still am this is for me like a therapy oh, every chance I had to talk to someone about what happened in the building uh, I would talk to the neighbors yeah. and and the neighbors would tell me, I don't know if you want to know, but I heard that she was yelling because I didn't hear anything. I was in the bathroom. So they would tell me details. And I know for some people it would be like, I, I, every chance I had to, to talk to someone, I would take it. I didn't care. I didn't care what they would say. I, I had to, I needed to talk to people. I needed to. And so I was, I, I went to a therapist also. I was going once a week. But I was, for me, the therapist or a neighbor or the woman in the store in the corner that I knew for, I was living there in, for 20 years. So I knew everyone yeah. around there. So every, everyone, every neighbor, it, it was a, it's a 20, I was living in the 21st floor. So it's a, it's a, high, it's a tall building mm-hmm. with a lot of neighbors. We knew everybody. Everybody knew us, right? So people were like, okay. You're gonna move, right? You're gonna move now. What, what are you What are you doing in, in your apartment? You have to move. At first, when that happened, I moved to my mother's house. She lives 
15 minutes from my house. And I went and I was in my mother's house. Uh, one, one day, one day, uh, I got out, I go out of my mother's house to the car and the window was broken. They, they stole my stereo. Ah. And I, that was, let's like, say, t 10 days, maybe 15 days after my, my wife died. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have to go back. I have a garage space. Yeah. And I, I took it as a signal, I have to go back and deal with what happened. Mm. And so I, I went I went back to the apartment. It was so hard. I had to, I, I went through all, uh, I went back to the apartment and I had to face every corner of that apartment again without her and remembering what happened. Every, but I said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to clean the house. I'm, I clean the house. That's very symbolic. That's uh, part of my, what was part of my therapy. I'm going to yeah. clean this apartment. Uh, and so I cleaned it myself every little corner. Mm. And there was, uh, in the I remember, in the I always remember in the balcony, there was these black things. Well, uh, yeah, these black things, uh, I don't know how to say it, but black like powder in the balcony in the where you hold yourself uh, and i said what is that what was she, was she grabbing herself there like like i had all this what was she doing was she what was her foot what that was there then i found out that it was the police because the police came right away yeah. because they had to investigate what mm -hmm. was happening that they put some oh taking prints and to all take that. the yeah. fingerprints but so yeah, they won't. They don't. Of course, police don't do cleaning. Yeah. Um. So, but the thing is that I went back to the apartment, and so I, I, I and that was part. I would say part of the therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Um. A lot of people would say, "Okay, just leave." I'm not ready to leave. I'm not ready. I was married. I. I mean, I, I felt like I didn't get divorced. She died. Okay, but I didn't get divorced. It's not the same. I'm still married. This is still my family. I had to get, I, she died, but I had to get divorced internally. Mm. I had to, uh, there was a relationship that I had to end. Not only I had a person that died and I had to mourn a death. I also had to mourn a relationship. I had to get divorced. I had to like communicate with her internally, yeah. separate, all that. I had to go through all those processes uh, that that don't come automatic. It's not mm -hmm. a, automatic that it happens. So, but um, if I had to say something, I, I'm I just I'm gonna say something that is very so maybe it sounds superficial, but I had to follow my instinct. I was I was gonna say my heart, <laughs> but I had to follow my instinct. I I. I I don't think that sounds superficial. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, because imagine in that situation, everybody's telling you what they would do, mm -hmm. what you should do. Yeah. But I probably would. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, and I would do. I would do the same to someone else, right? But you, I, I had to. I had to follow my instinct, you know, and I didn't. 
there was, it was not rational. Yeah. I had to follow my, okay, I have to go back to the apartment. I, I, for example, I never quit my job that I was doing with my life. My instinct was like, you don't quit your job. You don't, you don't, you don't stop it. Hmm. Although I had some feelings about that, but no, you keep going, you keep going. <laughs> I don't know, that came out to me. And I kept going, I kept doing it, although I was so tired. My wife died two days ago, and I was in. A, I managed some apartments. Uh, I was managing some apartments in Argentina through Airbnb. I was yeah. doing Airbnbs, and I just changed the sheets and I would take the sheets. I would do this auto automatic thing, and I would just. I was. I loaded myself with tasks. You know, kept yourself busy. Kept myself busy, but instinctively, it was so hard, and I had to do that because I was working with my wife. Mm. And that was so hard because every apartment I would go, I would be with her. And I would talk with her, okay, this is the room where we're going to do this, we, we can do this. And so I had to go to every apartment and say, okay, now she's not here. And, and I had to deal with a lot of things that she was dealing with myself. And re um, so I had to... So you had to deal with being alone now being alone and I had to re uh, transform every situation that, that had to do with her. Mm. Every apartment, every place. I had to talk to every friend of her. Every, I, I, was, I was contacting her friends. Every chance I, I could, I was, I was needing to talk to all the people that she knew. Some people wanted to talk to me, some people didn't want to talk to me because you know, yeah. people, people yeah. is, I don't. I didn't give. A, I didn't give a shit. I I want to talk to people. I needed to talk to people. And so when a friend of my wife uh, would call me, I was like, Yeah. <laughs> How are, I would talk about whatever. Oh, when a, uh, or when a um, cast, uh, client from my work, uh, I would talk to clients uh, about whatever. I didn't care if they rented an apartment. They didn't rent. Um, I would hear her personal experiences. I would be, my, my ear would be open for them and I would tell my experience. I would be, they would listen to me. And so I, I would say that one thing that saved me or that helped me uh, was engaging with people and communicating. Communication. Yeah. Communication, I would say. Yeah, communication. Uh, that's one thing that helped me. Another thing that helped me is uh, music. Is music. I was playing music at the time. So uh, were you were you in a band? Uh, I was in a, in in a couple of bands. Okay. With uh, the Bolivian community and the Peruvian community. Oh, okay. And I'm Argentinian, so it's so different. It's so different. Uh, the this culture and this community. I go. I would play for them in their communities. Mm. With them, with the, it's like going to another planet. It's like you travel, I don't know if here you have the same thing, that like you, you go you, somewhere you that it's, to, like it looks you, like another planet. To, um, like if you go to Queens, uh, Astoria is very Colombian. Yeah. And if you go to uh, um, Bay Ridge, a lot of Russians, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, yeah. So, and uh, there's some of, um, well, I've got the part of Brooklyn that has Haitians also, 
and yeah, so probably something like that. Yeah, so it was so different, and, and I'm so different. And uh, look, I look different. I, uh, I, it's like the cultures are so different yeah. that I was being able. I was not judged mm. or looked at in the same way that the people I knew, yeah. my family. They were all fine, friends, but that was different because they didn't relate in the same way to what was happening to me. They didn't even care much. So in that world, what happened to me didn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I was in, in, in that space, in that music, yeah. I was not important at all. I was not. I was no one. I was just a player. I was just playing my trumpet. Wow. And the important thing was the music and the people dancing and partying. What happened to me? Who cared about? No one cared about. And that made me like have a break. Mm. So, so I was having those breaks. Yeah. So that's saved me. So every weekend I would I would play so much. I would get into. Uh, can you play? I can play. What are you gonna pay? I don't care what you're gonna pay. I can play. <laughs> I can play here. I can play there. I I would play. In the morning, then I would play in the afternoon, and then I would play in, during the night. Then I would sleep what I could, and then I would go to work. I would work with my and I was so busy, so wow. tired. And but you asked me how I ended up in New York, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so, beautiful. You shared that. It's, I don't like it. Um, so eventually, I was. In this roller coaster of things going on, therapy 24 7. Yeah. Therapy. The music was therapy. My friends were therapy. My work was a therapy. Everything was a therapy. And I, I needed, I found, I found it myself that I, I, I didn't want to be at home. I didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So I, I went in my apartment. And so I wanted to get out, you know? Yeah. But I, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted, I knew that I had to leave that place. So I, I remember, I always remember a friend that told me, why don't you go somewhere else? And my answer was, where am I going to go? Mm. I can get away from the place. I know where I have to, the place I have to leave, but I don't know where to where go. To go. Yeah. I don't have a, it's not. A destination. It, because I told, I told this friend, if I leave now, I'm just leaving a place by not going anywhere. Mm. I need to go some I need to find where I'm going where I'm going to go now. Mm -hmm. It's symbolically, not just physically. Yeah. Right? So, following my instinct, my brother-in-law was in Cuba at the time. Uh so my other brother-in-law. So, my former wife were three brothers, three siblings. Mm -hmm. So, to Agustin, Peter, that died, and my wife. So Agustin, the third one that is alive, the, the only one alive now, yeah. uh, was in Cuba. And I, he said, why don't you come? He, he was doing uh, some bicycle trips there. And I said, yeah, let's go. I'm going to, I need it. Oh, I need it. Part of my therapy was talking to people close to Eugenia, uh, Eugenia was my former wife. Mm -hmm. So close to her, so her brother, I said, okay, I'm going to Cuba. So, uh, a friend that we have together with my former wife in New York, Pablo. And then I wanted to visit 
my brother-in-law's who died, my brother-in-law's family yeah. in Tampa. So I went to those three places. First to Cuba, then to New York, then to Tampa. And that's how I ended up in New York. Mm. Um, but well, then first I, I went to Cuba and I spent two or three weeks with him riding our bicycles through the roads and talking, you know, sharing. I needed to share. And I was out of my house. And I, I was feeling, when, when you were somewhere else, I was in another country, another culture. What happens to you matters less, right? You are not yeah. in your context. You're not, you, mm -hmm. you get out of your problem, right? Yeah. The problem was when I came back. When I came back from that trip, I went back home. It was so painful, mm -hmm. so painful to go back to that. I, it's, everything in me was saying, you need to go get out of there. But how? Where? It's not just moving, you know, physically renting another apartment, but it's symbolically like, where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? But in New York, I met my actual wife in that trip. Uh, so my brother-in-law had a friend in New York. That's my wife. And my my brother-in-law, I mean, the one that was in Cuba. Yeah, I was in. And he told me when I was in Cuba, can you go get me a, a bike, you look, that I sent to her to bring to Argentina? Well, I, well while you, when you go to New York, he says, I'm saying, no, my friend Pablo, my friend in New York, lives upstate one hour and a half. I'm not going to Manhattan. I didn't even care about going to Manhattan. I was going upstate with my friend, staying there four mm -hmm. days. I'm not going, but she's so nice. You might like her, he said. He said, he showed me the picture. Oh, okay, 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 okay. If I go to Manhattan, I'll, I'll contact her. And I did. I contacted her on February 14th, I think. It's, um, oh, wow, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, Day right? <laughs> so I went to her work, and, and she told me, we can meet after work. And I said, no, I don't have time to meet after work. <laughs> I was like... You, uh, you, you're beginning to sound like the German in the story. <laughs> uh, so I went to her work and she gave me the bike lock and I told her, do you want to come? My friend Pablo was a musician, had a musician friend from Argentina that was playing tango in Brooklyn. Do you want to come tonight to, to see this tango show in Brooklyn? To my actual wife, the first day I met her, yeah. I told her, okay, maybe I can try. I just tried, you know? And she came. And, and that day, the next day, I had to fl fly to Tampa the next day. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to my friend's house, Pablo, where my suitcase is. And he lives one hour and a half from the city. Yep. And then come back the next day, mid, uh, at midday, was my flight. But the previous night was the tango show. My, my friend Pablo was coming with him, but he was with a car. And we were going back that night after the show, mm -hmm. let's say 10 p.m., something like that. We were going back to his apartment, to his house upstate. I said to him, I'm not going back. <laughs> I was so drunk also <sighs> because I was drinking beers there. I'm not going back. But you have to go back. Then tomorrow you have a flight. And I asked Basia, my, my wife, can I stay at your place? And she said, but, but you have a flight tomorrow? 
don't know. Yanzan said, it's okay. I mean, I was like in this mindset where you don't care really mm -hmm. much about anything. Or you live the moment. I was yeah. like living the moment, you know. Uh, in any other case, I would say no. I, I would not do anything like the way I did things uh, on those days. So I, I said to uh, my friend, "Okay, I'm just gonna stay with her," and and she and she said, well, "Okay, you can you we can you can stay, but then you have to go back, take a train because I had to take that flight the following day." So I had to learn how to take a train from, how do you call the train station? Uh, from the, the subway? No, the train station to upstate. Um, oh, oh, um, dang, what's it called? The metro? Yeah, metro, one of, one yeah of the, the metro, metro north. Metro north, yeah. yeah well, so I've been taking that like forever now. I had to do <laughs> <I> that <forgot. laughs> at 5 a.m., you yeah. know, the next day, morning. Uh, so I stayed at her place. I tried, but nothing happened. Nothing happened with my wife that day. Um, I tried, and but we we stayed in touch, and we started talking. And one month later, she came to Buenos Aires for wow. the first time. She would fly to Argentina. She didn't know Argentina. Wow! One month later, she came to Buenos Aires, and oh, wow, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Um. Let's go to the end. I have a daughter, right, with her mm -hmm. uh, now, and it all started there. So, who, so if you ask me, how do you do? How did you do it to get out of your situation? I don't know, man. I didn't do anything. I, I know. Just it's followed. called tango. tango. It was a tango. Yeah. Tango night. I'm telling the audience now. If you, you have, when the pre, when the pandemic is over. Ask your date to a tango night. It works. You now you have proof. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we, could, we're I, running, I, I we're running out of time. So, I, so one thing. I would. Ne I, I would not. It would not be able to do this. Yeah. During but the pandemic, right? Uh, well, yeah. There's virtual tango nights, I guess. Right. <laughs> That's it. We we're not giving up tango easily. So, we'll go, if you don't if you don't if you can't find one, hit me up. We'll, we'll organize a tango night for you guys. You just have to pay me. You know, it's twenty bucks, thirty bucks. We'll okay. <laughs> Mariano can dance tango. Uh, he'll play. He'll play yeah, some instruments. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, beginning to round up. Um, last two questions that I ask. You know, um, we'll, we'll definitely do a part two. To dive in, um, to dive more into the, the episodes, um, when well, how's the pandemic been for you? You know, you you moved to New York full time, March twenty twenty. Yes. So, but you had already visited New York. Yeah. Pre pandemic. Yes. So you you saw how New York was, and then you now moved to New York, just before lockdown. So. Yes. How 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 does New York feel to you now? Yeah, it's hard for me to say because I came to, during 2019 and came several times, and but I came to New York to live to stay for mm -hmm. good from March 2020, and then the pandemic started. But I also in May my daughter was born, so 
everything together. Yeah. And because my bo- my daughter was born, I had to stay home anyway. That's right. So I didn't I didn't get to go to the city match. I didn't really do much what's called tourism or visiting places. I didn't mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't even really had to do that. I didn't even care, right? So so I don't know how if I can compare. I know that I went to Brooklyn Bridge with my bike. Couple of times during the pandemic, it was amazing. No one was nobody. There. Nobody. I, I should have done. Yeah, I should have done that. It's uh, uh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I was on Brooklyn Bridge. It's yeah, yeah. This no one. one. There was no <laughs> one at the beginning. Wow. It was so nice. Yeah, because that that's why I haven't been on Brooklyn Bridge. The last time I was there, I was like, ugh, I, I, yeah, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, <sighs> All right, Mariano. I can't right. thank you enough for being on the podcast. This yeah, has thank been you for having a me. very special episode. Thank you for sharing your um, your journey and you know your very um, personal details with us. And um, yeah, well, I just love everything about you, and can't wait to interview Vasila to hear more about your, her side of the story, if you were that impressive. Mm-hmm. We all say, you know, like when, when Verena came in, she said I wasn't that impressive, you know. But, Let's see, yeah, yeah it yeah, would be but, nice. Let's know, see what she says. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear what <laughs> Vasila says. But um, no, 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 you, you're an awesome guy and I appreciate you all the time and thank you very much. And um, uh, for the final question, what would you like to leave the audience with? You know, it could be a favorite um quote from a book you've read or a song you like to sing or um, it could be just something you like to leave the audience with okay now i'm gonna leave you with a phrase mm-hmm. that i read when i was coming here that i wrote in my roller coaster days that i wrote even to die you have to learn oh, i like that yeah i had to learn how to die so yeah that's the phrase I would leave. Even to die, I have to learn. Well, I wrote it in Spanish. It oh, makes, say it in makes, Spanish. It then. makes better sense, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if Spanish. I'm saying it right in English. Um, hasta, hasta, hasta morir se aprende. That's in Spanish. It's really short. It's shorter and it's, it's, it sounds nicer. I don't know, in English, it sounds good. Say it again in Spanish. Hasta a morir se aprende. Hasta a morir se Hasta a morir se aprende. Hasta a morir prende. Se aprende. Se prende. Alrighty. So appreciate you, Mariano. Thank you very much. Do you have anything you'd like to plug in or anyone you'd like to plug in? Give a shout out. No, no, it's okay. All right. Okay, so for everyone listening, don't forget to join us for the next episode. Um, thank you and on your gift show in the love and I'll catch you at the next episode thank you for the privilege of your company thanks for listening to White Label American if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show 
send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.